Welcome to episode 16 of our podcast series. This features material from our May 2023 print edition of the Residential Aged Care Communique. I'm Joseph Ibrahim, the editor. This podcast episode presents the results of the investigation into the premature death of a resident who had a fall from a wheelchair. The three commentaries draw on clinical and research experts to address how to balance improving mobility with a wheelchair while mitigating potential harm. The episode concludes with a segment which collates the opinions and views from our senior nursing colleagues titled Reflections of Senior Nurses. We also welcome a new narrator, Ashley Redmond, who is a practicing registered nurse and actor. Let's now listen to the editorial. Table of Contents Editorial Case A Fatal Downhill Slope Expert Commentary Falls of Wheelchair Users What Do We Know? Expert Commentary Call an OT Expert Commentary Looking Deeper Reflections of Senior Nurses Editorial by Professor Joseph Ibrahim Now and then comes along a case of premature death due to a fall where the circumstances appear so simple and evident that it is easily overlooked as a source for learning. An older person falls from a wheelchair sustaining severe injuries and dies. Upon hearing this tragic outcome, the emotions expressed include sympathy, how life is unpredictable, and perhaps a general acceptance that it was just a chance occurrence. Bad luck. The case in this edition of the Residential Aged Care Communique provides multiple lessons for anyone willing to examine the case with an open mind. The first lesson is that appearances are deceptive. We too readily accept the death of a significantly older person, even though the underlying cause was not due to natural causes. Better to investigate the circumstances of the fall to identify how public safety could be improved, rather than be fatalistic and accept a situation at face value. Falls are prevalent in older people. We stop thinking about the types or nature of falls having become inured due to the limited effectiveness of interventions for prevention. All falls are not the same. There are substantial differences in fall etiology between ambulatory and non-ambulatory wheelchair user adults. The second lesson is that lateral thinking is beneficial to creating solutions. Applying models and frameworks from outside our usual field of practice provides innovative approaches to finding solutions. Instead of applying the usual patient-focused approach to analysing a resident's fall, we use the road safety model. The road safety model describes four safe system pillars, safer vehicles, safer speeds, safer roads, and safer road users. The third lesson is about how we remain connected even if it appears the circumstances of the death are separated from us in time and place. The case presented in this issue does not implicate the aged care home staff in any way. Nevertheless, we ought to think proactively about what it is within our sphere of influence to improve safety. Achieving this requires asking if there is anything else we could have done that would have better prepared and equipped the resident rather than resting on the fact that we did nothing wrong. The fourth lesson is, the obvious is not always so. Curiously, little information is available on falls in wheelchair users. 
especially given that the use of mobility aids, including wheelchairs, increases with age and dramatically so in very old persons, those 85 years or older. The number of wheelchair users will continue to increase as the global population ages. Correspondingly, the ability of many individuals to effectively ambulate functional distances will decline, and wheelchairs will become the primary source of mobility for a large portion of the population. The Australian Institute of Health and Welfare's analysis of Falls in Older Australians, 2019-20, reported 949 hospitalisations and 11 deaths in persons aged 65 years and over for that year alone. Miss Sally Eastwood, a senior occupational therapist with extensive experience in aged care, writes our expert commentary. Sally applies her professional knowledge practically, providing helpful information to balance improving mobility with a wheelchair while mitigating potential harm. We also include a short commentary drawing on information from research studies and a brief comment from Professor Keith Hill about looking deeper for factors contributing to falls. And we finish with reflections of senior nurses. Let's now listen to a description of our case report titled A Fatal Downhill Slope. Case. A Fatal Downhill Slope. Case Pracy author. Dr. Supriya Ramakrishnan, consultant geriatrician. Clinical summary. Mrs. C.S. was a 90-year-old female resident at an aged care home due to multiple physical disabilities. Mrs. C.S.'s past medical history included emphysema, arthritis in both hands, and Sjogren's syndrome, a multi-system immune disorder associated with an increased risk of bone fractures and fragility, which limited her ability to care for herself. She also had macular degeneration in both eyes that caused deteriorating vision requiring monthly eye injections at an ophthalmology clinic. On the day of her eye appointment, Miss K.S., Mrs. C.S.'s daughter, met Mrs. C.S. at the aged care home, where a wheelchair-accessible taxi had been arranged to take them both to the eye clinic. Mr. W.Y. drove the taxi. Miss K.S. wheeled Mrs. C.S. from inside the aged care home to the taxi, where Mr. W.Y. took over, moved Mrs. C.S. into the rear and secured her wheelchair with straps before driving off. When the taxi arrived at the eye clinic, Miss K.S. indicated to Mr. W.Y. where they would generally park in a five-minute public drop-off zone on the street directly outside the front entrance of the clinic where Mrs. C.S. would exit the vehicle. The drop-off zone allowed enough space for two or three vehicles and was situated on a level part of the street. On that day, however, the taxi could not park there as other vehicles occupied the drop-off zone. So instead, Mr. W.Y. turned off from the street into the iClinic car park adjacent to the clinic building. At that point, Mrs. K.S. expressed concerns to Mr. W.Y. about going into the car park because it was on a steep slope. Within the sloping car park, there was one designated disability parking space and numerous other general access parking spaces. Mr. W.Y. proceeded to reverse into the disability parking space in the car park. He assisted Mrs. C.S. out of the taxi by partially releasing her from the straps that secured her wheelchair within the taxi and wheeled her to a spot several metres from the rear of the taxi in the direction of the main entrance of the building. Mr W.Y. applied the brakes of the wheelchair and then went back to unhook the remaining two straps securing the wheelchair to the taxi. These straps had extended some distance from the rear of the taxi. Meanwhile, 
Mrs. K.S. retrieved the taxi assistance card from Mrs. C.S.'s handbag and returned to the taxi to arrange payment for the fare. The wheelchair began moving down the slope and Mrs. C.S. toppled out and landed on her left side. Miss K.S. and Mr. W.Y. were still standing at the front of the passenger side of the taxi when this occurred. They rushed to her aid and contacted the ambulance service. The ambulance paramedics attended 24 minutes later and noted that Mrs. C.S. was alert, though complaining of pain. They transported her to a hospital emergency department, where she was diagnosed with multiple bone fractures, including her clavicle, ribs, sixth thoracic vertebrae, pelvis, and greater trochanter. The injuries were deemed inoperable and treatment focused on comfort care. Mrs. C.S. died three days later. Pathology. The cause of death was multiple rib and pelvic fractures due to a fall from a wheelchair on sloping land. Investigation. The initial investigation gathered evidence from various sources, including the police, forensic pathologist, statements from Ms. K.S. and Mr. W.Y., closed-circuit television of the incident, the wheelchair supplier, a wheelchair specialist, and the director of the clinic. An inquest was held as there remained issues concerning the application of brakes on the wheelchair and the safety of the car park. The inquest was held over two days with separate legal representation for Mr W.Y. and the clinic. The circumstances of the incident were revealed by the closed-circuit television footage, which showed that prior to her fall, Mrs C.S. appeared to place a foot down and lean forward in her wheelchair. This movement may have precipitated the forward momentum of the wheelchair. It subsequently moved down the slope, initially travelling in an arc to Mrs C.S.'s side and then swinging back in an arc to her right side, and she was thrown from the wheelchair, landing on her left side. The distance travelled by Mrs C.S. was approximately 4 metres with a drop of 500 millimetres in height. The inquest involved consideration of the following matters. 1. The actions of Miss K.S. and Mr. W.Y. before Mrs. C.S.'s fall. 2. Mr. W.Y.'s training and experience regarding wheelchair-accessible taxis and wheelchairs. 3. The use and condition of Mrs. C.S.'s wheelchair. and 4. Issues with the clinic car park. The taxi driver usually engaged by Miss K.S. was unavailable on the day. Mr. W.Y. had not previously transported Mrs. C.S. Mr. W.Y. had transported a client to the eye clinic premises once before and on that occasion had parked in the five-minute drop-off zone. The application of the brakes on the wheelchair became the most significant issue at the inquest. Mr. W.Y. said he had applied all four brakes on Mrs. C.S.'s wheelchair, both attendant brakes and both wheel lock brakes. The attendant brakes allow the person pushing the wheelchair user to pressure the brakes. Miss K.S. believed Mr. W.Y. applied brakes on the wheelchair but could not recall which ones. A review of the closed-circuit television footage did not appear to support Mr. W.Y.'s statements that he applied the wheel lock brakes. The footage supported him on applying the attendant brakes. However, the experts could not conclude that the wheel lock brakes were not applied. Before this incident, Mr. W.Y. had been driving this taxi for about six months and averaged two fares per day involving a wheelchair user. The coroner did not find evidence to suggest that Mr W.Y. lacked the experience or training to transport and unload Mrs C.S. safely. The coroner also noted that Mr W.Y.'s experience demonstrated an appreciation for the variations of wheelchairs and the safety of their users during transportation. 
The wheelchair was a standard model and had been purchased new, approximately 10 minutes before the incident. Two independent wheelchair technicians with expertise in wheelchair operation provided reports to the coroner and commented that Mrs CS's wheelchair was in good working condition and not defective. The wheel lock brakes were the primary brake mechanism to prevent wheel movement. All four brakes, two attendant and two wheel lock brakes, required separate manual actions to apply. Evidence at the inquest indicated that the ophthalmology clinic had established an agreement with the local city council some years before this incident. The agreement was to create a drop-off zone so patients with mobility difficulties could enter the ophthalmology clinic and use the internal lift to get to the upper reception area. The disabled car parking space was compliant with regulations and its position was selected due to its proximity to the main entrance of the building and that area had a less steep gradient. Coroner's findings. The circumstances contributing to Mrs. CS's fall were multifactorial. The contributing factors including the wheel lock brakes were not applied to Mrs. CS's wheelchair or she was left unattended on the slope. Mrs. CS could not protect herself from falling due to her physical frailty and immobility. There was a lack of space in the drop-off zone and a steep slope at the car park and surrounds. Mrs. CS was not moved to a space with a flat level and the taxi fare was not paid while Mrs. CS was still in the taxi. The coroner's recommendations were for the clinic to 1. Finalise plans to redesign and improve the safety of the clinic's car park for all users, including the safety of disability car parking spaces and passenger drop-off areas, and proceed without delay to implement the plans. 2. Conduct a review on the efficacy and adequacy of the current signage in the car park so far as it concerns that the safety of all car park users and, if appropriate, implement different or additional signage to enhance safety. Editor's Comments While the coroner did not consider the role of the aged care home in this case to optimise our learning, we ought to ask, what could we have done that may have prevented this incident? Consider discussing the following questions with your colleagues. What is the purpose for a resident to travel outside the grounds of an aged care home? Are there acceptable alternatives to accessing the community? A telehealth consultation may reduce the need for travel. Who accompanies the resident on their travels? Are they aware and experienced with the tasks they are likely to encounter? Who is supplying the wheelchair? Is it fit for purpose? Is it well maintained? Are the resident and their carer aware of how to use it? Is the taxi fit for purpose? Is the taxi driver experienced with the wheelchair, known to the aged care home and familiar with the needs of the resident? What do we know about the destination? Can it be scoped ahead of travel? Are there high-risk areas such as an uneven sloping path? Let's now listen to our commentary titled Falls of wheelchair users, what do we know? Commentary 1. Falls of wheelchair users, what do we know? By Professor Joseph Ibrahim, who is at the Australian Centre of Evidence-Based Aged Care, La Trobe University. Understanding how to prevent the harm involved in using wheelchairs is essential. The physical consequences for a person falling from a wheelchair are usually minor injuries, for example, abrasions, contusions, lacerations, and sprains. Severe injuries including major trauma requiring hospitalisation, for example fractures and concussions, 
and rarely deaths, may also occur. The psychological consequences may include loss of confidence, anxiety, and a fear of falling, leading to the loss of independence and declining quality of life. An article by Rice and colleagues published in 2014 in the journal Disability and Rehabilitation, see our website for full citation, they conducted a systemic review of the research literature. They identified 212 potentially relevant research studies and, after closer examination, selected and analysed 21 papers. Their findings are described below. The four most common risk factors included 1. Wheelchair design and related characteristics, 64%. 2. Performance of transfers, 54%. 3. Poor balance, 36%. And four, using a wheelchair on uneven or sloping terrain, 36%. Wheelchair design or configuration factors including anything impacting stability, such as a lighter weight wheelchair, an adjustable rear axle position, use of a backpack on the wheelchair, a shorter wheelchair length, and small, hard casters to be associated with falls. The lack of proper wheelchair maintenance is a significant factor associated with falls. Falls during transfer activities were found to be a common occurrence. The performance of independent transfers increased the risk for falls and using an assistant decreased fall risk. If the person using the wheelchair was non-ambulatory, then the risk of falling was fourfold higher than for ambulatory individuals. Falls due to a loss of balance most often happen when the person attempts to reach for an item outside of an individual's base. Also having an intact seating balance was found to be protective against falls. The environment has a significant impact on the likelihood of a fall. Situations such as propulsion on an uneven or sloping surface increase the risk. This may be why more wheelchair-related falls occur outside the person's home. Remaining Issues Gaps in practice exist with few comprehensive assessment tools available to objectively assess an individual's risk for falling. This is compounded by gaps in research which limit our capacity to provide well-defined recommendations. Essential recommendations to improve safety. Many risk factors associated with falls are modifiable by therapeutic interventions or changes in wheelchair setup, selection and proper maintenance. Performing a comprehensive assessment of the individual's needs. Ensuring proper wheelchair prescription provided by a knowledgeable clinician is essential to achieve a balance between stability and mobility. Continued maintenance and providing extensive training on wheelchair-related skills. The dilemma is that addressing many of the risk factors associated with falls from a wheelchair will improve the stability of the wheelchair and so may negatively impact functional mobility. Let's now listen to our second commentary titled Call an Occupational Therapist. Commentary 2. Call an Occupational Therapist. By Sally Eastwood, Occupational Therapist, who is the team leader, Adult General, Community Rehabilitation, Grampians Health. A substantial portion of residents in aged care homes require wheelchairs as their primary form of mobility when accessing the community. Residents may need a wheelchair for several different reasons. 
First, they may not be able to walk due to an underlying muscle, joint or bone disorder, such as rheumatoid arthritis. Other residents may be paralysed due to a massive stroke or a neurodegenerative disorder, such as Parkinson's disease. Second, some residents may be able to walk short distances around the aged care home, but lack endurance due to heart or lung disorders and so require wheelchair for the longer distances they need to cover when in the community. Residents need to access the community for many reasons. Social activities are essential for their health, well-being and mental status. Healthcare-related appointments, such as the eye appointment Mrs CS was attending, are another frequent reason. Depending on the activity, various people may assist the resident with gaining access to the community. This person could be an aged care home staff member, an external paid carer or family, and friends. Given the sheer number of external medical clinics and social destinations, residential staff cannot be expected to have details of the environments and what assistance is available at each location. This lack of information creates uncertainty about the suitability of the environment and the appropriateness of personal assistance at each community location. It is vital to control the variables we can influence to ensure the safety of our loved ones. Therefore, to ensure a resident is utilising the most appropriate wheelchair of their needs, it is recommended that an occupational therapist assess them. An occupational therapist can ensure the wheelchair is an appropriate size for the resident and incorporates all the other required features for their safety and needs, such as seating and balance. The occupational therapist's assessment also provides the necessary education for the facility staff, family and friends, on how to complete transfers safely, use wheelchair features, and most importantly, appropriate and safe break use. Aged care staff should take the initiative and make a referral to an occupational therapist rather than wait for a resident or their family to make the request. The occupational therapist should come to the facility to complete their assessment with the resident. The assessment includes gathering background information regarding the purpose and intended use of the wheelchair, as well as tailoring any intervention to their biometrics, that is, the unique physical characteristics of the resident. It is imperative that the wheelchair correctly fits the resident, which may include considering space for a thick winter coat for those that live in chilly locations. This assessment is also the first step in educating the resident, staff and family on wheelchair use. Occupational therapists recognise that only some feel comfortable with managing equipment. Therefore, it is essential to take each opportunity to provide education, correct any misconceptions and reinforce vital information. Once the resident acquires their wheelchair, the occupational therapist should always visit the facility to recheck the fit and reinforce the education. The second visit allows the occupational therapist to point out key features and functions of the wheelchair, including how to correctly secure the wheelchair by using the brakes. Using the brakes is more complex than most people think, and it is dangerous to use a wheelchair if the brakes are faulty. Mrs. CS's wheelchair had four brake options. The main wheel lock brakes are essential when the resident is transferring in and out of the chair and when the wheelchair is stationary for any period. Occupational therapists should impress upon the staff and family the need to double-check that these brakes are used, especially by taxi drivers, and to notify staff if they think the brakes are not working. Occupational therapists can also produce a how-to card, an information sheet that remains with the wheelchair, as a reference guide should anyone need it. When accessing the community, 
carers, paid or otherwise, will often opt to use a multi-purpose taxi, otherwise known as a wheelchair taxi. The multi-purpose taxi increases ease of transport. The resident can be transferred into the wheelchair inside the aged care home, then wheeled to the taxi, and once they disembark, they are wheeled around the community without further need for transfers. Using this type of taxi also prevents the need for obtaining disability parking permits, as the taxi can often drop the resident and carer at the front entrance of most establishments. The taxi company must provide comprehensive training to its drivers. Ideally, an occupational therapist would also educate the taxi driver. Unfortunately, due to the large and variable nature of the taxi driver roster, it would be impossible for the same occupational therapist to educate all drivers the resident may encounter. Each trip with a different taxi driver reinforces the role of carers and families to ensure safety. Carers and families should feel confident with their wheelchair use and check that the chair is in good working order and that all safety features are engaged and used appropriately. To prevent similar incidents to that which occurred with Mrs CS, carers and families are encouraged to gather as much information about the destination they are travelling to with their loved one. Identifying where to disembark and any environmental hazards, for example slopes, gutters and road surfaces, helps to be prepared. In conclusion, always request an occupational therapist complete a wheelchair assessment. Educate the residents, regular carers and family about the wheelchair uses and its safety components and gather as much field intelligence about the destination to determine disembarkment options to allow optimal planning. When these three tasks are covered, the resident can enjoy much safer outings in the community. Let's now listen to our third commentary titled Looking Deeper. Commentary 3. Looking Deeper by Professor Keith Hill, who is the Director, Rehabilitation Aging and Independent Living Research Centre, Monash University. The case presented is quite an atypical fall injury and death and raises two questions. First, about the approach to safety generally for those who use wheelchairs and their carers. Second, and less obvious, is the approach taken to determine what might have been done differently to minimise the fall risk. A comprehensive review was undertaken through the coroner's court process, investigating many areas that might not have been considered at first glance to be an issue in this case. What it raised to me with respect to more general fall prevention is that we should not just make a quick assumption about the cause of fall, even when there might be a prominent factor contributing to it. We need to look closely at all aspects of the fall and have an approach where we want to ensure that no other new or exacerbated risk factor, intrinsic or environmental, contributed to the fall. If there are new or exacerbating risk factors, we implement one or more actions to reduce the risk of a similar fall occurring in future. We need to ensure we look beyond the obvious. For example, consider an older person who falls in a residential aged care setting and is known to have dementia and weakness from a previous mild stroke. We should not just put the cause of the fall to these two known risk factors. We should look deeper. Let's now listen to our final segment titled Reflections of Senior Nurses. 
Reflections of Senior Nurses by our RAC Communique Nurse Faculty. As a senior nurse, I always felt responsible for incidents when patients or residents in my care required transport to another place off-site for an appointment, pathology test, x-ray, or other procedures. What immediately came to mind was when residents required either dental care or renal dialysis. Dental appointments often come up suddenly, and residents cannot wait due to ongoing pain or the need for new dentures. When residents attend renal dialysis, it is often a very long day and a tiring experience. In these situations, not only do residents go off-site, but there is the possibility that they may require transfer from the wheelchair to a bed, chair or stretcher, and may also receive medication that causes sedation. The more demanding the travel and the more that occurs during the consultation, the more I worry about the potential risks. Not only could the person fall from their wheelchair, but they could also fall during the transfers to and from the wheelchair onto the bed or stretcher. The risks are higher if the resident is usually transferred using a lifting device or aid, and the staff at the other end do not know this information. Family can be helpful, and it is great to have them involved, but should they be left responsible for managing the situation? The non-urgent patient transport service, which uses a stretcher, is often the safest option, knowing the staff are usually trained in clinical observation and safe transfer of patients. However, our decision-making requires factoring in the economic cost and the actual availability of these transport vehicles and their capacity to undertake timely transfers when needed. I learned to appreciate the value of allied health assessments from our occupational therapy and physiotherapy staff in prescribing appropriate chairs. Their skill set is vital for selecting the most appropriate wheelchairs for people with different abilities. Perhaps the most important lesson is that what appears to be a simple activity, a day out in a wheelchair, requires careful planning and good teamwork. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Remember the online print editions are available at our website, which also includes a list of the recommended resources and references. Remember also, we now have an extensive podcast catalogue of previous editions for the Residential Aged Care Communique, along with our sister publications, the Clinical Communique, the Future Leaders Communique. These are available and free to download through our website or via Spotify, Apple and Stitcher. I'm Joseph Ibrahim. Thanks for listening.